0: Fine, welcome. Oh, there we are. Woo! Yowza. Okay. Um, anyway, I am still who I am, and, and you are still who you are, and the Lord is the focus of our attention this morning, so praise God for that. Um, we are here to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and to celebrate in word and song and give Him our very selves in, in our holistic way of serving the Lord and honoring God in everything we are and do. And so this morning, I'm going to begin with a word of prayer, and then the bell choir will follow that. And we've got some words on page two, back of page two, he leadeth me. The reason that we've got a lot of paper this morning is because our scissors that that elevate the screen, one side decided not to cooperate this morning, and so no screen. And so we'll have a good old-fashioned read the paper, but lift your hearts, don't duck your heads, lift your hearts in song, all right? So let's begin with a word of prayer heavenly father god we thank you what a gorgeous day you've given us it is so beautiful thank you father for the colors of fall for the gift of life we have in jesus that lord god even though the days are darker and the the daylight is shorter we know that that doesn't matter to you you are the god who brings light into the darkness you're the one that sheds the truth out into the world that the the universe itself declares your glory And so, God, we come to You and give You thanks for revealing Yourself, not only through nature, but, Lord, through Your Word. What a great treasure we have. And, Lord, we look at the world around us, and we see what's happening, and we hear what's happening, and our hearts are troubled. And we ask, Lord God, that Your Christian witness, Your testimony to Jesus Christ, where there's real hope and real meaning and real purpose and where real love is and where real love does, dear God... We pray that more and more people will come to a living faith in Jesus Christ around the world. We thank you, Lord, for your gift of life. Let us be your servants in everything we are and do. For your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand in and sing together, He Leadeth Me, page 2 on the back, apparently. Back of page 2. Thank you. a few minutes. Um, There's never a good spot to put the announcements in, but since most of us are here already, I want to thank the Bell Choir for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you very much. And I also want to thank all of you who volunteered yesterday for our harvest party. We had a good time. We left everything up. So there's pizza, there's hot dogs. You know, you eat them once, enjoy them twice. We've got lots of those. They're they're mummy wrapped, so they got like uh, crescent rolls, you know, around them. They're good, and ketchup and mustard and that kind of stuff. We hope to see all that disappear after worship. So we hope you'll come on down to the Fellowship Hall, have some food, have some fun. We left the games up as well so you can play and enjoy each other's company together. Uh, So again, a real special thanks to Marla and all those who volunteered. It was fun. Um, The screen is not up, as I mentioned before. The left side of it is broken down, so we'll see if we can get it repaired and maybe replaced, we'll see what happens. Young Life in Canby's having a fundraiser on Saturday coming up on November the 4th as is Teen Challenge. If you wanna go to the Canby event, it's of course in Canby from six to eight, $40 tickets and there's an auction and you get dinner there as well. It's at the Cutsforth Old Town Hall near Thriftway down there. So if you'd like to go down to support Young Life, this is the information you'll need to know. And since we're recording this, if you forget what I just said, review it later online. Um, Teen Challenge fundraiser is the same night, and if you want to go, that we're already our table is already full, I think. But if you want to go, talk to Christine or Jack. And then uh, I think that's all the goodies that I have for now.
1: I think so. Oh, you know, Table Carol dinner is coming up in December, oh. and um, I always welcome anybody that would like to lead a song or sing a little special thing. So if you're interested in fiddling around with me on table carol dinner that, I'd welcome it yeah
0: and I also want to thank Jack for leading uh, the, the the MC kind of thing uh, for the service last Sunday he mentioned that I had an Audi that's now an Any but an ouchie um, I had an umbilical hernia people ask so it's all taken care of and I'm really grateful to God for that um, I'm, I was a nurse for 10 years I don't care you know let they, it all hang out except that so um yeah. So uh, it's all good, and I really thank you for it. I'm not even on Tylenol anymore, so God really answered prayers. Um, I just need to get some energy back is my only complaint. So. And don't poke me right there. That, 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 that's, that's still not a good thing. Um, other than that, I think we're doing great, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the fall and the progressing and the Christmas season and everything. We've got so much going on in your, in your notes there with all the papers you got this morning. One of those is a real half sheet. It's got the list of events coming up. It's current as far as I know, and it's also, the very same information is online on our church's website, and I'll keep that updated as things roll along, but this is our way of communicating as broadly as we can. So again, let's, let's start with a to begin with a second prayer, and um, I wanna just make this a little bit of a quiet time for prayer, um, because I know that with all the news and events going on, and maybe in your own personal lives, one of the things we could really work on, I think, as a congregation, individually, is quiet time with God. I don't know that we do that very much. And so let's just take a few minutes, even if the kids make noises and move around, that's okay. Let's just take a few minutes, have some quiet time with God, and then we'll we'll continue to sing and praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our our minds are often very busy, and we pray, Lord, that You would quiet our thoughts and our hearts, that, Lord God, we'll cast our cares upon You because Your Word says You care for us. And we see that. We know that. The older we get, the longer we serve You, Lord God, we realize how much You do care. And so, God, we thank You for Your love, for Your grace, Your mercy. We thank You for the cross of Christ where our sins have all been left and Remove from us, Lord God, that we are free, set free, redeemed by Jesus, the price been paid. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, for calling us your children that we could call you Abba. And God, we come to you this morning with, with concerns for world events. We pray, God, your will, your peace, that the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine even more brightly and that the truth will win out and you will be glorified. In every, every way. And it begins individually with each one of us this morning. Lord, may our lives truly be offered in your service today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand and let's sing. Father, may your Holy Spirit fall upon us that we would truly get to know you better. Lord, you know us completely. You're not blind to anything. You're not ignorant of anything. You know every single person. You know every single thought, attitude, value, behavior. Lord God, thank you that you know us that well. You know about the spirit that we have and the living spirit, the Holy Spirit that resides within us through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for the cross, for the burial, for the resurrection of Jesus, his return someday. And Lord, we, I'm sure we're wondering how close to that point are we? But Lord, we're to be ready every moment of every day, always. And Lord, we're here to offer you our bodies today. And not just in this hour, but Lord God, every moment of every day, may everything we do bring you glory. All the words that we say, all the attitudes we bring, all the actions we take, Lord God, may it all be truly in line with your will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, may each one of us be a part of that answer to that prayer. May we serve you fully and faithfully with resolve and with comfort to know that you are the one that can make that happen. We trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, the kids are free to head down the hallway now through fifth grade, and Gabe is here for middle high school. So feel free to go on down the hallway with him. Uh, the rest of us, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter Wait, twelve. I'm,
1: are the bells playing
0: next? Are the bells playing again? Yeah. Well, okay then. We won't do that. You can still turn in your Bibles to chapter 12, verses 1 there. and 2, but I'm going to sit down and take a break and rest. No, that's perfect. I'm, I, I like to say I'm still under the influence of anesthesia. Okay. <laughs> uh, the second piece that we're going to play
1: is called This Is My Father's World, which has been a long-time hymn in the Presbyterian Church. Now this one was composed by Michael Hellman and so composers kind of do their own thing but you should hear this is my father's world in here in places.
0: Thank you. I heard the words. This is my father's world. Praise the Lord. All right. It's good to be back in the saddle again. Uh, I really, I was online with you last Sunday and that's a very unique experience for me because ordinarily I'm right here and so it was was really actually quite good for me to be able to experience what that's like at home and um, I missed It was an interesting experience. Um, I'm glad it was available. I also missed conversations. I missed relationships. I missed the life of the church. And uh, online is great, I think, as an auxiliary, but I wouldn't want to make it my main fare. Um, I can tell you that from experience. So I'm glad to be back. I'm grateful for teen challenge. I really enjoyed their worship. I enjoyed the words they shared. I mean, you just, you just see the miracles of God at work in people's lives in such a transparent and honest way, it was wonderful. And he touched on uh, the text that we're gonna be reading this morning in Romans 12, one and two. He referred to it about the neuroplasticity and all of that. You may remember that mentioned, about how the brain adjusts to the input that it receives over time in seeking pleasure and so Paul talks here about renewing our minds and we want to look into that more deeply I'm gonna do a bit of a deep dive you may wonder how long can a sermon last with two verses well if you know me but I don't do it on purpose I don't I don't lengthen things out because I'm trying to fill a space these these two verses are really important because these two verses project through four chapters. These are like the headings for what follows. So chapters 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 are all grounded in these two verses and they play out over and over and over and over. It's also a hinge point in the book of Romans. We've had 11 chapters of who is God and how does God behave and who, who, who are we in light of God's faithfulness? And there were 10 occasions where Paul was addressing issues that he felt the church might have someday, and we had 10 great Scott no in those 11 chapters. A lot of information, details. We've climbed to the top of Mount Everest, so to speak, and now we're going to come down the other side. And there's this key word, therefore. What are you going to do? with what you've learned. And isn't that the bottom line for everything that we read in scripture? Not just information, not just for intelligence, not just for being clever or knowledgeable or being able to teach, but application is essential. And that's what Paul does now for all four chapters. So we've, we've turned a corner. So let's look at these two verses, therefore, I urge you, brothers, and that means spiritual children of God, everybody who believes in Jesus, in view of God's mercy, in view of 11 chapters about God, what's the result? To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Heavenly Father, these words are loaded, and I pray, Father, now that your Holy Spirit would not only allow me to speak for your glory, Give me that wisdom and inspiration and perception. Inspire me, I pray, that I can breathe out your word for the congregation and others online this morning. But Lord, also equally important, I pray that the Holy Spirit now open up all of our ears and that we would be willing and able to offer our bodies now and always to you voluntarily in keeping with the work you're doing in us and the call that you have upon our lives. May we truly be a sacrifice for you. In Jesus' name, amen. A little bit of background is absolutely essential in order to understand what a living sacrifice entails. And there are five different kinds, and Paul's very Old Testament. I mean, there's more Old Testament in the book of Romans than any other book in the New Testament. I used to think Hebrews was, but it's not, it's Romans. Isaiah is referred to frequently Paul, being Jewish and a believer in Jesus Christ, he has the Jewish Old Testament sacrificial system in his mind and the cross of Christ when he writes these words. And I I need to go back to the Old Testament with you for just a brief period of time to let you know that there were three voluntary sacrifices in the Old Testament and two mandatory requirements for sacrifices in the Old Testament. And the, the three that were voluntary were a whole burnt offering could be done at your choosing as you wished, and the purpose for that was to make an offering for sin and, and also a complete surrender to God. In it words, it's a whole burnt. The whole animal was consumed just as you then would give your whole self to God. There's the parallel,? Okay? And that's voluntary, not required but when people were moved, they wanted to renew their lives, they wanted to recommit their service to God, they could offer a whole burnt offering. And they would say to God, I'm all in, God, I'm all yours. That's the whole self represented in the whole burnt offering. That's voluntary, that's one. The other one was a grain offering. That was a seasonal thing. Gratitude to God for his providence, for his providing for our needs, our daily bread. Thank you, God for the chocolate that we could eat yesterday. Thank you, God, for the pizza and the hot dogs, maybe. No, I'm serious. These are good things from God. They're provisions, and we're blessed to have them, and clean water, and all these. We thank you, God. It's a grain offering of gratitude, and it's often associated with a wine offering as a drink offering where you'd pour it on the altar. Then there's also the voluntary peace or fellowship offering Where we share a meal together. We bring a collective, it's like a potluck in a sense. You'd bring your food, you'd share it together. You're not only having fellowship with God, you're having fellowship with other believers. And that was voluntary. You didn't have to go to the fellowship hall after church, so to speak, but you could. And that was the third voluntary offering. And that again was called the fellowship or the peace offering. It could include the wave offering where you'd lift up the produce that God had. Provided in your field, and you'd wave it as a thank you, God, kind of thing. It would also be a vow offering. It could also be a thanksgiving offering. And it could also be a free will offering. All of that is just an expression of, Lord, I'm with you. You're my Abba. I'm your child. We're with each other. These are my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we have fellowship together. So there's three voluntary ones. One, I offer my entire being to God, represented in the whole burnt offering, voluntary. The other one, then, would be the grain offering. Thank you, God, for everything you've given me. Thank you, God, for a surgeon that got me in at 10.30 an hour early, and I was home by 2.30. Thank you, God. It went well. I met a nurse anesthetist and a lot of fine people over at Willamette Falls. We had a great, jolly time together until I passed out. (laughs) It was great. Um, Yeah, it was great. And then we have fellowship with each other. We have peace With God, we have peace with each other. We should, right? These are the three voluntary pieces, and I emphasize it, because these three, these voluntary pieces, are the sacrifices that Paul is talking about. He's asking us to participate, to voluntarily participate in this sort of a sacrifice that we can do together. Then there are two mandatory sacrifices that Paul is not talking about, and you'll know why when I mention them. The first is a sin offering. That by faith, the atonement of my sins are being taken place, and I'm cleansed of sin. Now, who cleanses us from sin? Jesus. One and done. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you were declared righteous by God. His righteousness was declared over you. You you were redeemed. Your sins were paid for. That's not something we do. If you ever think you have to get right with God by doing something, then you've misplaced what Jesus did with your own sacrifice, and that is not what Paul is asking us to do. We appreciate that sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf to set us free. The second mandatory was for trespasses, where you knew what the Word of God was. You knew, for instance, you're not supposed to murder somebody or give false testimony in court, and yet you do, and in this case then it's mandatory that you make up for that trespass that you're aware of, and it's called a trespass or guilt offering. It, you had to make restitution. If, for instance, I stole somebody's lawnmower and I didn't return it, and then later on it was discovered that I had their lawnmower and I'd ruined it or I'd used it and it'd become useless to the person or use, less useful, I would have to not only pay them for the lawnmower, but there was a 20% penalty on top of that. Now, do we have to pay a penalty for the consequences of our sins? Now, in a civil sense, sure, there's justice. But in a spiritual sense, that's what Jesus paid the price for, to set us free. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So Paul is not saying, offer your bodies as living sacrifices so that you can be right with God. What he says is, you're already right with God. He's been arguing that for 11 chapters, Jew and Gentile alike. You're right with God through faith and faith alone. Faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. He's just hammered that throughout the whole thing. And then he says, in light of God's mercy, in light of now what you know Christ has done for you, what are you gonna do about it? And what he's saying is, are you willing to volunteer? He's urging, not requiring. He's urging, this is all voluntary. Everything Paul writes about in these four chapters coming up are all voluntary responses to God, and Paul can't make that happen. That's our choice. And so Paul urges all those who know and believe in Jesus Christ to respond, not out of duty or legalism or fear or worry or peer pressure or anybody coming down on you. It's all about in light of God's mercy. How should we act? This is where we're going and we'll be in that that area of the scriptures for quite a while. For me, uh, my easiest understanding of God's salvation was to realize that Jesus is something like a lighthouse on the Oregon coast with two lenses a light shining out of both directions at the same time. And if I picture the light of Jesus shining backwards into the Old Testament era and the light of Christ shining forward into the New Testament era and beyond, it all hinges on one person. Who did God say would stomp on the head of the serpent? Clear back in Genesis chapter 3. A descendant of Eve, a person, an individual will accomplish this. Thousands of years later, Christ is born, the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. How are they saved? Was Eve saved from the consequences of her sins by doing something on her own? Or did God say, I will provide a savior for you? God said, I'll take care of this. When they clothed themselves with fig leaves, what did God say? That's that's just not gonna work. You cannot fix the dilemma that you're in and an animal was sacrificed and God clothed them. You see grace written large all throughout this whole thing? There's grace, there's mercy, there's faith involved. This is the means of salvation throughout the Old Testament, not the sacrificial system. A lot of people think that there's plan A, do the sacrificial system. Through the sacrifices, you will have salvation. Your sins will be forgiven. And that is a gross misunderstanding of what the sacrificial system was all about. The sacrifices were there as placeholders for the final sacrifice, and when Christ came and died on the cross, those people who knew the sacrificial system should have put the dots together and said, wow, that's what we've been waiting for. And instead, they threw it out in large measure. Only a remnant believed. And, thank God, we're here now. the sacrifice of Jesus. I want to read for you in in a biblical reference that helps you see what I've been saying. I want to read from Hebrews. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, he's talking about Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. You know what it means to sit down? Priests were not allowed to sit down. You had to stand up and offer sacrifices all day long. I'm sure their feet were killing them by the time the day was over, day after day. Jesus was done, so he sat down. One and done. He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. So when Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, do you see now that that has nothing to do with your salvation? This is a voluntary response that Paul is calling for in light of the fact that we know God. And thank you, God, that we do. And thank you, God, that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and that we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Now what are we going to do with that? volunteer put it out there get get to work for the lord pray spend some quiet time with god read the word get to know jesus better that's the benchmark that we all want to live into there's a lot that we can do therefore he says i urge you i urge you and i can say it no better in view of god's mercy what should we do well, the first point in your out, or second point in the outline after the background, which was the first point, is I constantly offer all my actions to God. It is not a one and done like I got baptized and then I walked away from it because after all I've done my thing. It's a life commitment. It's an ongoing one. Verse 1, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, and this is interesting, it's your spiritual act of worship. What we do isn't just material and behavioral, it's actually spiritual. It honors God. So I'm going to look at this a little bit deeply. I'm going to break those words down a little bit. I think because these two verses play out for four chapters, we should really go home today with a rich understanding of the words that paul chose to use inspired by the spirit to lead us into these four chapters okay so be patient with me but we're going to look at this a little more deeply what he's saying in brief is this what you know internally will express itself externally what people think in their minds plays out in how they behave I'm gonna touch just briefly, I hadn't planned on doing this, but uh, since I wrote the sermon before surgery, uh, you know, all the events in Israel right now are going on, I wanna just briefly highlight something, and and I wanna repeat it at the end probably. We need to be processing what we're hearing on the television and the radio and through the media as Christians. How do we, like Jesus, respond to these events? How do we pray? What are we looking for? There's a lot of uh, perspectives and uh, perceptions and plans and attitudes that may have nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. It's our role, and this is difficult, it's our role not to be inundated with what everybody in the world thinks or says or does, but to think about, okay, God, what would give you glory in all of this? What would really be a solution to the problem that they're having over there? And I come down to Jesus every time. They need Jesus. They need grace and mercy and the love of God. They need the forgiveness of sins. You know the Shia Muslim group doesn't like the Sunni Muslim group at all. The Shia are very dictatorial and authoritarian and theocratic. They believe that every government in the entire world should be Shia, Sharia law, done, and a story. So what's happening in that little neck of the woods actually has global implications. And the Sunnis, have a more democratic, more relaxed attitude, more moderate attitude and so that's why you saw the Abrahamic Accords and other things going on over there and why this whole thing blew up recently. A lot of complicated issues but the bottom line is fighting over real estate and ethnic and ethnic struggles and all about Hamas and Israel and all that you know what the real answer for Israel is and the real answer for the Hamas group? What do you think? Wouldn't you suppose That if they had the heart of Jesus Christ that would transform a lot of things wouldn't it so what where should our prayers be are there Christians in Israel yes there are are there Christians in Gaza apparently yes there are probably very few and I don't think they're raising their heads up high and shouting it out from the rooftops but they're there are we praying for them that's a tough spot but to think like jesus is the process of renewing our minds what would god's perfect good holy will be that's what we want so paul says i urge you to think as god would have you think and we'll look deeply into what he's saying and what that means james 1 reminds us that we could leave today with information but if we don't apply it It doesn't go anywhere, it's a sad moment. James says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Do what it says. Now, by the way, if you're reading the Old Testament and God's name is not mentioned in a chapter and you see all this terrible behavior, don't think that that's what you're supposed to do. That's where people make a mistake. All that terrible stuff in the Old Testament. Well, if you look closely, The instigators of such terrible things are sinful human beings who didn't pray, who didn't think, what would God want me to do? They acted like the world, and the consequences were terrible. So as you read the Bible, read with informed minds, knowing that when God says it, we should be doing it. If God says, this is the ethic that I want you to live out, we live into those ethics. When God says, these are the thoughts you should have with love and respect and gentleness, then that's how we will behave. You have to read with that kind of a knowledge base. What does God tell me here? And we learn from mistakes and the sins of our ancestors and in our own lives too, don't we? Have the mind of Christ. So I hope that as we read our Bibles, and I hope that we do, small groups or individually, that we read looking for God to talk to us, Don't just read to read it. Don't be on that, i got to read a Bible in a year. You get done, you've read the whole Bible, and God never said a word to you. You know what I mean? Read looking for God to talk to your heart and your mind. And when he does, I suggest you just stop. Why? It's like if Jenny was telling me something important, and I kept marching on, she'd be probably put out with me. You don't seem to... Did you hear what I said? Well, why don't you do something about it? Oh, I had other things on my mind. I'm, I'm moving on. I've got other issues. I've got other things on my plate. I don't think that'll hold up. How about God? When God says, you just heard something really valuable. Just stop for a second. Let me talk to you. Do it. You'll be surprised how powerful those moments are. Don't be in a rush. Let God talk to you. The basis of offering our bodies as living sacrifices, of course, you could probably guess, is Jesus. We're modeled on Christ, right? If Jesus was willing to die on the cross for the sake of our sins, to bring us into a right relationship with God, then how are we then to respond? Well, we're not the savior, and we're not gonna die on the cross for the forgiveness of anybody's sins, but knowing that God is willing to die for our sakes, then we are willing to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We're willing to love God above ourselves. That's what we do. That's what Paul would say we should do. So then he says these words, to offer. This, again, is voluntary, isn't it? We don't have to offer. I could huddle up and be all Bruce-centric and all about me and what I want and my goals in life and what I want out of life. And I've heard the phrase, I've got the right to be happy and all these other things. And God is not part of the equation if that happens. To offer is to place myself at God's disposal, Okay, God, I'm yours. What would you have me do today? And maybe it's not clear, but I'm offering myself to the Lord every day. That's what Paul is urging us to do, to hand myself over to the Lord, to get out of the way. If God is in the passenger seat in your car, he should be driving, right? That's what Paul is saying. Hand over the wheel. It's like I used to say for, uh, when we had the offering plates going by, you know, before COVID and all that stuff, um, I would tell us all in a sermon on giving, I said, put your own two feet in the plate first. Otherwise the money means zero. I'd rather be a spiritually rich church and an economically impoverished church than a rich church who's spiritually poor, right? That's what we want. Part of that is to say, here I am, Lord. As long as I'm breathing, I'm yours. That's what Paul is urging us to do. An earlier example of that is in Romans 6. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. What is he saying? In light of God's grace and your identity in Christ, then you should live it out with gratitude offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Then he talks about body. It's not like he gets a compartment of our life. The whole body is in mind. And I think one of the struggles we might have as Christians is compartmentalization. I will give to the Lord the vast portion of my life, but I have goals and plans and desires and pleasures in my life that I wanna keep control of. I wanna fit into the human resources department at work, so I will compartmentalize my life. I want to live in my neighborhood with a secular attitude in this regard, but over here, I'll live for Jesus. And there's this weird, schizophrenic, confused mind that Paul says we need to renew. Because how many of us compartmentalize and say, God, you got, you've got all of me. But that, that little corner over here, I'm not willing to let go of. Now, that's what Teen Challenge is talking about. Remember? The things in their lives, it could be a variety of different addictions, alcohol or drugs of various sorts. But they know that until they release that and trust God with it, they're trapped in it. And they won't find healing and wholeness and goodness. feels good to feel good. And that's the outcome of that ministry, as the Holy Spirit does that great work. And I'm grateful for that. So I've got some applicable questions. Is it okay to compartmentalize what we'll give to God and what we won't? Is that okay? Paul would say, no. Is it okay to suppress or replace some of God's ethics with social morals that change all the time? different parts of the world have different morals our country has different morals in different places in different families in different environments is do we live like chameleons so that we get along you know I like to be liked you like to be liked I'm sure you do but what's the most important thing if we offer our bodies as living sacrifices well then we're all in and if the world hates us Jesus said remember they hated me first he said so Maybe that'll happen. We don't want it to happen. But if it does, because we're trying to honor God, then we have to suck it up. We have to live into the realities of the world around us. Can we say, God, you can have this part, but not that part of my life? Paul says, I urge you, offer your entire self to God as a living sacrifice. God does, I think, have a rightful claim on our bodies because he gave us those bodies, right? So it's not ours to fiddle with, but it's God's. Romans 1, 24 and 25. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Right? God intends our bodies to be used for his glory. And we want to keep that in mind and not anything else. Then he says living a living sacrifice, that's a participle. It means it's like going. It's not a, I went. I committed my life to Jesus at some point and got saved, and then the rest of my life is mine to live as I choose. This is a living experience with God. It's ongoing. It's constant, day and night. There's no let up. There's no holiday from that. There's no change. It's where the good life is. And so Paul says living sacrifice every moment, Of every day it's our life in Christ Luke 9 23 Jesus said then he said to them all if anyone would come after me he must deny himself what does Jesus know the problem is I don't want to deny myself how about you Do you want to deny yourself sometimes if you're used to a certain pleasure in a certain way and God says that's a sin but you know that it it, at least it works temporarily even if you feel guilty about it Wouldn't you be willing then to trust God with it and trust that God will meet that pleasure in the right way? And it might be that neuroplasticity that was talked about where your brain has to rewire and it takes time. It's like toxic soup and it takes a while for the toxic soup to go down so that the good can come up. You have to be patient, dedicated, and offer your bodies as a living sacrifice every moment of every day. It takes time and we can all do that. Jesus died for us, we can die to ourselves. And trust God to meet our needs. Then he talks about the sacrifice. And that's why I started with those five sacrifices. Two of them are not required because it has to do with the forgiveness of sins and paying a penalty for our sins. And that is not what Paul is asking us to do or urging us to do. It's all a voluntary response. Complete surrender. Are you willing this morning to recommit to the Lord with complete surrender that all of your being is at the Lord's disposal. Paul would urge us to do that this morning and every day of our lives. He also says, gratitude for God's providence. Do we live with an attitude of gratitude? Some people aren't really grateful because they have no one to be grateful to, but we do give us this day our daily bread, are we grateful for those gifts from God that provide? We live with thanksgiving in our hearts and we should thank God for all those wonderful things. And then the third voluntary aspect of being a living sacrifice is not only do we offer our whole being to God, not only do we then have gratitude for what God has done for us, expressed in worship and in service and in community, the third part then is community are we then voluntarily willing to share life together in christ that's part of our voluntary offering it's not for the forgiveness of our sins but to honor god romans seven twenty four and 25 after paul talked about the sins in his life even though he's a believer in jesus he still struggles with sin remember he said the things i want to do i don't do and the things i don't want to do i do Then he says this, what a wretched man I am. He says, this just stinks. I hate it. I feel bad about it. I wish I could just nip it in the bud and be done with it. It bothers me. I feel horrible about it. But then what does he say? Well, I better do something to get back in right stance with God. I've got to achieve God's pleasure. I've got to do something to make sure that I'll be saved. Instead, he doesn't. He goes right back to, "Who will rescue me from this body of death?" Hmm. Thanks be to God." right? Through what? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what, again, don't mistake what Paul means when he says, "A living sacrifice." He says it's our decision to say, God, I'm all yours. It's our decision to say, thank you, God, for all the wonderful blessings you've given us, how you provide for us, how you meet our needs, how you feed us. Thank you, God, that's a choice we make, to say grace at meals and things like that. Then he also says, are we willing to be together in community? That's important, that we don't neglect the body of Christ. So there are two logical, then, connections with actions and spiritual worship. He calls it this, holy. It needs to be holy. What we do is holy. Holy is meaning I'm setting it apart for God's service. That's what holy means, belonging to God. So I belong to God. I am going to set myself apart, willingly and voluntarily, as a holy man of faith, as a holy woman of faith, we want to give ourselves to God. Holy. And then our actions should be pleasing to God. He says, holy and pleasing. It's an adjective. It means to be acceptable to God from not the world's point of view, but from God's point of view. God's pleasure, not the world's. We don't want to make that mistake to do it the wrong way. 2 Corinthians 5.9, so we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Whether I'm a living person or a dead person gone to heaven with Jesus, I want to please God. And how God would be pleased. Not what the world thinks God would be pleased with. There's all kinds of weird stuff out there. But what the Bible says pleases God. That's the life of renewed minds. So ask, is it my daily goal to be holy and to please the Lord in everything I am and do? That's what Paul is urging us to voluntarily do. And why would he have to urge us? Because we don't like to budge. I don't want to let it go. I don't trust God. Like my friend back when, when I was sharing the gospel with him, said, I don't know, I think God will expect too much from me. He wasn't willing to be that voluntary, whole, burnt offering at that time. He didn't trust. And that's what God is saying. I'll lead you on the best adventure of your life. I will be the thrill of your life. I will be the pleasure of your life if you'll just offer yourselves wholly to me." God is very pleased. Then, thirdly, I align my mind to God's pattern. Then we get into verse two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The battle is between our ears. What we think is how we act. We cannot offer our bodies as living sacrifices if we have the wrong impressions or the wrong thoughts or the wrong understanding. That's why we had 11 chapters about God, to make sure we had the right information about God, that we could then apply it. And this is where we're at. When I used to fly Cessnas uh, out of Boeing Field, one of the things we had to do, every time you get in the seat and start it up, you wanna make sure that you set your altimeter to the barometer. So you listen to the radio, you know your your barometer says, this. 29.91 or whatever it is. You'd then dial that in on your altimeter. Why? Because you don't want to fly at the wrong altitude. Kind of makes sense, right? It's kind of one of those safety measures. If the air traffic controller says to fly at 2,000 feet, well, you know where 2,000 feet is. You also know that if you fly over a mountain that's 3,000 feet tall, you don't want to be at 2,000 feet right you, you dial it right in there and you know where you're at and your altitude so it's a safety thing by renewing our mind what paul is saying is make sure that every day we are correcting that little knob back to the word of god so that we know where we're at because otherwise there's drift the winds of change and all the other stuff going on the seasons that the culture that we're in is having having all these things We just need to reorient our minds back to the truth. Get the right altitude with the right attitude, right? That's what Paul is asking us to do. And what he's saying here also is, the world around us has an influence on our minds, and we can't help it. We get out of culture with God pretty quickly and very frequently, because there's only so many hours of sermons in a whole year. And only maybe so much time that you spend in the Word or in a small group. You're spending way more time on social media than you are in God's Word. That's the the statistics out there. We're inundated with the world's perceptions. And Paul says that that has an effect on our thinking. And we don't want to neglect that. The highest paid, how many of you heard of an influencer? You know all these influencers out there on Instagram and other things? The highest paid influencer in 2022 was paid $2.4 million to impact people's minds. That's how important that is. And the Bible says, let's make sure that we're not influenced by the world, but by the Word. That's what Paul says. And don't conform to the pattern. That's a middle passive. It means I'm allowing myself to be conformed or... I didn't realize how conformed I had become. The world has that kind of power and influence over our minds. We have to be very, very careful. And the world itself, Paul says, is not the globe, but he's talking about the age that we're in. And haven't we seen a tremendous change in moral values in the last 20 years, 10 years? It's happening fast in so many ways pendulum swings are becoming a little wilder and a little quicker. Um, We need to be aware that that's what he's talking about because changing morals, changing values, changing virtues, they're always happening around the world. And Paul says that does have an impact on us. It does. But don't let that be the adjusted barometer setting that you're going to live into. Go back to the word, go back to the truth. Be transformed. Then he says, instead of being influenced by the age we're in, let your mind be transformed. That is interesting. The word transformed is passive. God is doing it for you. The world is influencing and powerful, and we need to be aware of it, but also be aware of the fact that God is going to see us through. God is going to bring us home. God will finish the work he began in us so that we could have the conformity to Christ that he desires. And that's great news for us. It's literally a metamorphosis of the mind that God is doing. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness, into the likeness of Christ with ever-increasing glory, which comes where? From the Lord, who transforms our minds. Let the power of the Holy Spirit supersede and eclipse the power of the world. Set your altitude correctly. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that He began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Is there hope here? Yes. Does your mind get off kilter sometimes like mine does? I would imagine so. Does the world have a powerful influence on in how we perceive things? Oh, I think so. But then you've got to go back to the truth. You've got to go back to the roots. You've got to go back to God and say, God, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Am I going to live like the world? Is that what the world needs? Or am I going to live for you and live out your will, your way? That's what the world needs. And will I get some kickback from that? Will I get some animosity from that? Will I be persecuted in some form from that? Maybe. But I don't think the world needs more world. It needs Jesus. And that's our job, renew our minds. I recommend if you haven't done that in a while, read one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If, you want to, if you're a guy this morning and you want to join us on Saturday mornings at uh, 7.30, we're just getting started in Luke. So if you want to dive in and early, come on, join us. And there are plenty of small groups happening also in the life of the church. Um, Then fourthly, the last one is, I will perceive God's will. If you're willing to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, then you will, over time, discover what God's will really is. You'll get to know God better. You'll get to know what God wants you to do and how you're supposed to play out his call on your life. He says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, because it's good. It's pleasing, because it is. And his perfect will. Praise God. Paul is not saying God needs to be tested. What he's saying is, over the course of time, you will find out for yourself how good, pleasing, and perfect God's will really is. But you won't find out if you don't offer yourself to the Lord. So Paul says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, and by golly, over time, guess what? I got to know God better. And I found out that it was pretty cool. And I found out that the things that I thought I needed, I don't. I need God. And what God provided for my life has fulfilled my needs. I would not have found that out unless I was willing to offer myself to God. So he urges us to make that commitment. I'm all in. Test and approve. It's really one word. It just means to watch over the course of time how true this is. But we have to be willing to let that happen. Just quickly now, because I know the time is short, with a renewed mind, we'll know God's will. But it takes time. It does. It just takes time. Time in the saddle, time to try it. What's coming up shortly is Paul's going to talk about spiritual gifts from God and how to apply them. Remember, this is a very applicable section of Romans. What do we do with this? And next Sunday, I believe, we'll be looking at some of those spiritual gifts. Sometimes you find out that you're not in the place you should be. And then sometimes you find out that you're running from the place that you should be. How do we know time time is one of the best ways that we know where god's will is and paul says throw yourself into it trust god and over the course of time you'll find out how good it really is how pleasing to god it truly is and how just perfect it turned out to be that's what paul is saying now what's our response to all this well take to heart That we're called to be perfect, yes, but we're not called to be legalists. And we're not called to save ourselves. The call is a voluntary response to the mercy and the grace and the compassion and the love of God in Christ Jesus, who we are. To let our identity shine and to trust that even on our worst day, we are still saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't ever give up. Remember the verse that says, what God began, he's gonna finish. He is metamorphing. He's transforming our minds. That's, a, that's an act of God. Then why do we have to pay attention? Because cooperation is what God expects. If I know where I'm headed and I know what God wants, then I can cooperate and I mature all the faster and I can glorify God all the more. I want a renewed mind. Matthew 5 48, be perfect, therefore. As your Heavenly Father is perfect. That's a tall order. Has any of you ever reached yet perfection? (laughs) I think in some respects we could be perfect, you know, like art or something like that. We've used that pinnacle of really good art or something like that, but ultimately as a human being we reach perfection by the grace of God that the day will come and we stand before Jesus in heaven and it's just perfect. But we don't want to wait till then jesus live into it now and be gentle on yourself when you fall short you're saved by grace thank god for that read your bible stop when god talks to you don't rush take your time if you're not reading your bible maybe read matthew mark luke and john get to know jesus better pray spend some quiet time with god god what are you going to tell me even 15 or 20 minutes at some point at any point during the day that's probably a rare feat now these days but find that time and just quiet yourself in the sense of god i'm listening and if you're like me your brain wanders all over the place but keep coming back to saying lord i'm still here i'm still willing to listen i'm offering you my whole body i want to listen ears are part of my body right okay god what do you have to say That's important, I think we're missing out on that piece a little bit. I know it's something I wanna work on in my life. And again, don't give up. Don't give up. Who is gonna bring you home? God. Who's transforming your mind and mind? God. Is it gonna turn out okay? Oh, absolutely. Are there challenges in the journey? Oh, absolutely, yes, too. But what did Jesus say? I'm just gonna close with this, because in the environment we're in, this is a good word. Jesus said, in this world, You'll have trouble. Nobody's going to argue with that. But if that's where he stopped the sentence, that'd be sad. But then he says, comma, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So this morning, let's offer our bodies to God. Are you ready? Offer yourself to God. I'm all in God. I'm available to you. I'm yours. Whatever you want is my will to I'm in and you'll find out that over time you made the right choice God's perfect pleasing and perfect will let's pray Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Give us the boldness and the courage to let go of those parts of our lives that we reserve for ourselves and haven't offered yet to you. Give us encouragements, Lord God, when we fall short of perfection. We know we have our ups and downs. We know that in the world around us, there's all kinds of things said and done Many are troubling, some sound good, but maybe they're not. Lord God, help us to discern your will. And help us, Lord God, to be rooted in the truth of your word, that we can apply what we know about you, the therefore. Help us to be therefore people, to honor you in all that we are and do. And thank you, God, that you're going to bring us home safe and sound, righteous, without sin, because of what Christ has done for us. And Lord, we know the world around us really needs Jesus. We see it so much more clearly with the events that are going on. Lord, we pray that Christ Jesus, the gospel, will be received and believed throughout the world in dramatic ways that can truly transform society, but first of all, individually and for your glory above all else. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Let's all stand.
0: And the glory forever. Amen. Deliver us from evil. Boom. God is at work, right? And may the love of the Father and the sacrificial grace of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit can be with us now and forevermore, united in a family around the world, all God's people, and here in our place and in our fellowship Paul, there's hot dogs and pizza and goodies and carrots and apples. Remember, we're supposed to thank God for His providence and to share community together. There are two aspects of this that are available as a voluntary sacrifice right after worship, right down the hallway this (laughs) week. Right? Be with you all now and forevermore. And all God's people could say, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Come on down. Have some fun.